So again, my name is Eddie. Um, I was one of the team members from this year's Cambodia trip. I'm just going to give a short overview of our time there. And uh, yeah, we just saw a video from one of our long-standing partners, Hard Places. Um, they do amazing things. They do outreach and restoration work for kids who are at risk or are being currently sex trafficked. And uh, they build cases to bring justice to pedophiles and kids. And uh, yeah, they're just amazing people. They do amazing work. And um, every year um, when we go back, it feels like we just get to be a little bit friendlier and we build a little bit more trust. So it's cool to see that. And um, this year we also did a little bit of a vision trip to see them reap to see if there are ways that New Mercy and Mercy Global can partner up in new ways. They have a new site there. And um, yeah, I think the best way to sum up uh, this trip from like a first-timer's perspective is uh, something that one of our team members, Janet Key, said. Um, one day we were just like playing with kids in the street on, in uh, hard places with the staff. And then like there's like this like pile of children and crafts and stuff, and then like Janet Key kind of emerges and she's got this, like, frenzied look in her eyes. And then she just goes, like, Cambodia is amazing. And I was like, whoa. And, I, like, I was just sort of like, I have no idea what that was. So during debrief, I had to ask her. I was like, do you even remember saying that? She's like, nah. And I was like, all right. Like, and then, like, what was that? And I think she was kind of like, honestly, I think it was just so amazing to see God moving powerfully in this country. Um, she was so amazed by the staff like, the ways in which they love the kids and, like, their hearts. And, like, the kids, they're just so lovable, too. And uh, I think just, like, that, like, palpable movement of God was just something that, like, you know, that was a response. And that sort of seems to be um, a response that a lot of first-timers do have. I remember feeling the same way. Um, but, yeah, for me, this was, like, my fifth time going back. And uh, our team was actually comprised of a lot of servant leaders at New Mercy, um, many of whom have been serving for multiple years or in multiple capacities. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, without judgment, you could describe a lot of us as doers. And uh, from the get-go, I feel like God was saying pretty loud and clear um, that the lesson and theme for at least our team internally um, was that, like, he kind of gathered all these doers from New Mercy. And in our devotional time, in our prayer time, in our side combos, and even our debriefs, like, this common theme kept coming up, and um, yeah, it felt like God was speaking to us and saying, I want you guys to do less, and in fact, do uncomfortably less, and I want you to start abiding more in me. And um, to me, it felt at first a little bit counterintuitive, like, God's going to gather all these people um, on a missions trip, which is typically known for doing things, and only to tell us that, like... Uh, yeah, he says we've been doing too much and uh, we need to do less so we can make more room to just spend time with him. And that to me felt like the takeaway for our team. And yeah, I hope it's something that um, we can, as a body, just kind of consider and think about stepping into. Um, I also want to update about our long-term missionaries there, um, Jen, Chris, and Caleb. So um, they've, like, personally, in my walk in faith, They've been, like, a huge blessing to me. Um, I feel like even in my personal growth, like, they wouldn't necessarily just kind of hover over me or even spend all that much time with me. But um, every now and then, like, you know, they'd sort of be like, hey, like, I heard God has a word for you as I was praying for you. And um, 
through that, like, I've, I've been really blessed. They've kind of, like, been almost, like, signposts in my walk in faith, even from, like, inner healing to, like, uh, even, like, this idea of being romanced by God. And these, like, kind of, kind of, like, abstract, heady concepts became kind of experiential through the way that God has been speaking to them through me. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think, though, it kind of gave me this impression. I was like, oh, they must have, like, some kind of super faith or, like, a super intimacy with God that they have access to and I don't. And I was sort of like, they must be okay. They must be okay with God. But I think last year when they did get sent off to Cambodia um, to be long-term missionaries, they're just, um, as Jen shared in her update, I think a month or two ago, um, yeah, they just shared how they experienced a lot of, like, suffering, a lot of uh, mourning and grieving, and a lot of loss. And it just kind of made me realize that, like, okay, um, they're going to need as much community, as much prayers, as much support as you and I do back here. Um, so um, we got to see that they're doing much better. They're finally calling Cambodia their home. Um, I feel like hopefully they went through the worst of it too, but like definitely there's something on my heart to um, hope that our church, both sides, can kind of come together and start to build out like a robust and comprehensive support network for them. Me putting that out there does not mean I'm going to take the initiative because I'm not qualified, but um, I think the least thing that I could do is start to pray for them, and I'm hoping that, you know, our body can also join in prayer and ask God to fully resource and raise up the people to do that. Um, and even spending time with Jen, Chris, and Caleb, there was like one highlight for me personally, and I have okay skills as a worship praise leader, and I got to do that at um, Cambodia for our team, but... Um, what was more fun for me was actually like little Caleb. He's become this little drummer boy. And uh, anytime I see him, he just, he's like, mm, and he points to the guitar and he's like, yo, play that guitar so I can play drums. So like during the mornings when we would praise, Caleb would join us and he'd start drumming too. And technically that was my first praise band. So it was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I think just to kind of wrap things up, like, we're not really sure how the future of these trips are going to look in light of, you know, all the transitions and things kind of being shifting around. But, um, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of things we could pray and work into. But I do think that, at least, at least for me, God wants me to pray and work into those things, first and foremost, through intimacy with him. Um, I kind of want to end with one little anecdote that our brother Andy Chan, who's also on the team, he shared. And... Um, yeah, it was, something, it was something pretty cool about, like, obedience and intimacy. So, you know, um, he's got his own personal struggle thing right now that he feels that he's got to step into. I'm not going to share it. You can talk to him about it. Um, yeah, and he brought up that in light of his personal struggle, um, the example of, like, Abraham sacrificing Isaac came up. And, you know, it's like Abraham waited years and years for this promise to come. And when it finally did, God pulls a fast one on him and says, hey, now I want you to sacrifice him to me. And so, you know, Abraham, in his point of faith, he's like, okay, like, I can obey. And he went through, like, the tough decision of committing to doing it, like, preparing all the preparations, chopping the wood, making sure, like, he takes the journey up there, and I'm sure he's having, like, a million thoughts along the way. And then, you know, like, when the moment of truth comes, God actually tells him, he's like, actually, I don't want you to do it now. And uh, so... It's like Abe still needed to listen to the Lord and be open to having to change course last minute. Something about that, too, I felt that resonated even with our team in hindsight because, you know, as a team of doers, we all go there like 
we got to prep this. We sort of know how this thing goes. We know the drill. Let's sort of get things ready. And then we kind of go in there, and then God is sort of like, okay, now that you're here, I want you guys to just do a lot less, and I want you guys to start practicing how to just chill and relax and hang out and abide and remain in me. And, yeah, I hope that's something that can encourage you guys. And, uh, yeah, maybe we could try to step into that too as well because I always feel like there's something that God wants us to take back from our missions trips like this and just share to the body too. So, yeah, thank you for supporting us and your prayers and listening. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to invite the Director of Operations at Mercy Global, Chris Kwan, to give us some information about the future. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, New Mercy Pal Park, for inviting me. Um, yeah, Cambodia is awesome. Cambodia, I've been with um, my brother Eddie a few times, and yeah, God is doing amazing works. And so, um, yeah, just to get to see just God at work at so many different countries has been such a blessing. And so I really felt like uh, this year as, um, you know, God has called me to be the director of operations at Mercy Global that there has been so much fruit in people's lives through these mission trips that, um, that I just couldn't say no. I couldn't say, uh, God, I don't want to be part of this ministry um, because I just see it it's so tangible in people's lives that people have become changed, that people have become um, just empowered by the gospel. So um, before I get into the dates a little bit, I just want to kind of briefly share just what Mercy Global is. Um, And, you know, as Pastor Key kind of stated in the beginning, like when we launched in 2010, um, all the leadership, um, the pastors, the others, deacons, we really felt that New Mercy was called to be a church that really dedicates and commits to global missions. And I think that's the fruit of what we see today. Uh, We see that um, yeah, from all of our congregants, from all of our leadership, that we really invest in global missions. And, and that's just an amazing thing. And so I'm privileged that after all these years that uh, Mercy Global has been established, that New Mercy, uh, Mercy Global as New Mercy's missions arm, um, that I get to stand here before you guys today and um, see that God has been so faithful, that God has touched the lives of so many people um, going on these trips. Um, yeah, and just as, like, Pastor Key, uh, preached last week, and by the way, I think, uh, Pastor Key, you're a pretty good preacher. I didn't, I forgot about that, but last week was a good sermon, right? Was that a good sermon? He, you guys are getting a good preacher because, um, you know, every time he comes to Hackensack, there's always, like, a big round of applause. I mean, it's usually just me, but, I mean, it's still, it's still pretty loud and, and big round of applause. So, um, but yeah, I just encourage you guys, oh, this was going to be at the end of my thing. But anyway, I do encourage you guys to take a step of faith forward because, you know, really, like when we obey and we go and do what God um, asks us to do, we experience things that, um, you know, that, of God's love that we wouldn't have experienced. So I just really want to encourage you as I share a little bit about the dates and about the trips that, um, yeah, that you would be faithful and that you would take that step of obedience because um, God has a lot for you guys in store. Um, and I know that. Um, so I just want to share a little bit about the, the trips and the dates. Um, if we have that slide, um, we, have, uh, we, have, we, have th- we have three trips. We have, first, we have India, 
We have India going on June 28th through July 7th. And our partnership with India, we actually didn't go last year, but um, it's a ministry where they serve a people group called the Devadasis. And the Devadasis are uh, basically temple prostitutes where they are dedicated to uh, uh, the, uh, one of the goddesses of the Hindu religion. And so they're they're pretty much, if you guys know anything about the, the Indian society, it's... Um, you know, there's a caste system, and they're pretty much the lowest of the lowest. Um, and so each year, or last year we took a break, but this year we're going to do a conference for the women and also the youth, the children of the Devadasi. So that's a really powerful way, um, yeah, that you can see God move and, and God loving on these people. Um, and the next date is for Ivory Coast, um, and that's going to be from August 7th through August 16th. And Ivory Coast is actually our longest partnership um, with New Mercy. Um, we've had, even, even before New Mercy, we've been going to Ivory Coast. And um, I've been there. It's, it's amazing. Um, we do a lot of uh, village outreach um, to the local Ivorians. Um, we partner with the, a church there that is actually you know, doing ministry among the local people there. Um, and I think that we're going to also run a youth camp um, and so I highly encourage for you guys, um, yeah, who are interested to, to think about um, Ivory Coast. Um, and our last trip will be in the fall, um, and this will be Colombia in uh, September 13th through 22nd. Um, this is a brand new trip. We had our first trip last year. I think uh, you can ask our sister Tina and DK, I don't know where they are, but um, they went last year from Edgewater. And this is a unique trip, too, because... Um, we actually got to, we're not ministering or partnering with the Colombians, but there is a people group within Colombia who are native uh, indigenous people called the YU. Um, these people uh, are really unreached. Less than 1% is Christian. Um, in fact, like not even the Old Testament is translated in their language. So it's it feels very raw. It feels very like... Uh, a new and and somehow God has allowed us to partner with an amazing ministry that is serving uh, the local people of Colombia, the YU people. And so um, I'm probably going to highlight this a little bit more because it's close to my heart, and I'm probably going to end up going. But I love all the countries, so they're all you know. I I, I do encourage you guys to go to all the countries. Um, but yeah, so these are the three countries. These are the three dates. Um, and, yeah, I really encourage you guys to take a step of faith to, to go forward. And uh, I really believe that God will do much in your lives and you'll get to experience a lot of his love. So thank you, guys. Today's scripture comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 to 12. 12. Please follow along in your Bibles on the screen above. This is the word of God. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if there were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please, 
and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. Is it only for borrowing one's head like a reed, bowing one's head like a reed, and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor with, poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of repression, with the pointing of the fin- pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always, He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Amen. Thanks, Peter. Uh, good morning again. Uh, so I have a brief homily. You guys are probably like, oh my goodness, he's going to give a whole sermon. I have a brief homily for you guys. Um, and uh, this passage is interesting. I mean, the theme for today is obviously missions. Uh, this passage is interesting because it has to do with fasting, right? And so naturally the question that's probably, you know, in your mind is, you know, what does fasting have to do with missions, right? Everything. And let me explain. Uh, you know, fasting is something that um, people think that, you know, those kind of fanatical Christians do, right? Uh, those, those kind of really uh, super Christians. Uh, but today, actually, if you read the text carefully, God uh, tells us it's, fasting is something that every Christian, uh, every believer, every child of God uh, is called to do. Uh, and the fasting that uh, God describes in this passage is actually very different from what we typically think of when it comes to fasting, right? When we think of fasting, we think of maybe 24 hours, we, we don't eat food, right? Or some people, they do like this thing called the Daniel fast, and, you know, they abstain from certain kinds of food, or they'll fast, say, from, from smoking or, you know, shouldn't have smoked in the first place, but, you know, they'll fast from, <laughs> from certain things, right? Uh, it, it's an abstention from something that we typically uh, like uh, in our lives. Um, but in today's text, fasting is defined as what? It's defined as active engagement, right? You know, feeding the hungry, uh, clothing the naked, uh, fighting against injustice, uh, and things like that. Uh, now, how is that fasting? Think about it. How, how is that fasting? Well, think about it. It's fasting because in order to really love and serve other people, what do you have to do? You have to fast from yourself, 
You have to take from your own time, your own resources. You have to fast from those things so that you can give them to other people. Okay? It's fasting from yourself to actively engage in other people's lives, okay? And the, the, what's cool about today's scripture is that it says, if you do that, even it feels like we're, we're letting go of things that are going to give us life, but the scripture says, as you do that, that's when your light will dawn. That's when, in fact, you will find life, even though it feels like you're giving up life, okay? And that's what missions is, right? It's fasting from yourself on behalf of of other people. Now, you know, when you guys think of missions, you're like, I don't know, I don't know what, what picture you have of missions. Some of you guys might think uh, it's glamorous, right? So, oh, this isn't really fasting. It's kind of like a glorified holy vacation, right? Uh, it might seem glamorous, uh, but it's not. You know, missions, fasting from yourself is hard. I remember uh, the first or second year we went to China. Uh, actually, I think it was the first year. Uh, it, we spent an entire month there, and um, it, about two weeks in, we went. We took a train from Beijing to the Shandong province. There's a city called Linyi. It was an 11-hour train trip, uh, train ride, so it was, it was you know, painful. Uh, and so, you know, we were on that train, and, you know, we had sleepers because I refused to uh, do the standing uh, for 11 hours, so I, I told the missionary leader, if you don't do sleepers, I'm not going to go, right? So they got sleepers, praise the Lord. Uh, and while we were there, you know, obviously, your 11 hours, you have to go to the bathroom, right? And so I had to do number two. I couldn't hold it. So I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. So I went to the bathroom, and the bathroom, when I first opened the door, I had to sit there for a minute to kind of assess the situation. Uh, because you know, in a lot of Asian countries, it, it, it's, they have these things called squatters, right? You don't sit on anything, you kind of squat, right? Uh, it was a squatter, but when you looked inside the hole, there was nothing there. It was just train tracks moving underneath you, right? And I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, maybe, you know. Uh, and then, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, take my pants off, don't imagine that. Uh, and, and then I, you know, I squat, and then I'm like, you know, a train is shaking. How, you know, how in the world do people do this, right? Uh, and I'm like looking around, and then there's a pipe on the wall, just a random pipe. So I grab onto that, and you're like, you know, just doing your thing. Uh, and then after that, I'm like, how in the world do you clean yourself up, right? And I'm just like, this whole situation just seemed like this is so absurd. This is terrible, God. Why am I here in China, right? Uh, and, and so, look, I mean, that's not really suffering. That's just stupid. I'm being stupid. Um, but, uh, you know, missions is not comfortable, especially actually when it comes to food. For me, you guys, some of you who know me, food is um, just not a good thing for me when I go on missions. People are always trying to feed me insects uh, and stuff like that. And so... So missions is, is not a glamorous thing, okay, at least for me. And, you know, again, I'm just joking. Those are kind of stupid things. But people do really suffer out there. Jen and Chris, you know, uh, Chris Kwan just referred to our long-term missionaries in Cambodia, right? These people uh, giving up so much of their lives in the Western world. Uh, and when they got there for the first year, it was just suffering uh, after suffering. Yet what's so fascinating uh, is it's often on these trips where I'm... I'm you know, we're going through these things, and in my life I've experienced this. Often on these trips, these trips of, you know, fasting for myself, for the people, it's often during those times that I've had my most powerful encounters and most life-defining moments uh, in my life. 
Okay, but here's the thing. It's not just missions, right? You know, you're like, oh, do I have to go on missions to do this type of thing? The point is not you have to go globally, okay? The point is, are you living missionally in all that we do as a Christian, right? You can live missionally every moment of your life while you live here in the United States as well. Okay, I have a, I have a story I'd like to share with you. There's a guy named Tony Campolo. He's a very famous speaker. He uh, used to teach at a uh, seminary, I believe, or a religious school. Uh, and he was giving a talk in Hawaii. He was invited to speak out in Hawaii, and he lives on the East Coast. So when he went there, 3 o'clock in the morning, he was awake because, you know, the time difference. Uh, and so he's like, okay, I'm hungry. Maybe there's some place to eat that's open. So he kind of scoured the neighborhood, and he found a diner because nothing else was open. So he went to this diner. Uh, he sits down. It's like this really grungy kind of gross diner, uh, and he sits down, and he asks for a donut and coffee, and the owner, his name was Harry, Harry's like, okay, here, and he takes his dirty hands and grabs a you know, donut and gives him this really old, stale coffee, and Tony's sitting there, he's like drinking, and then, you know, about halfway through him, like forcing this donut down his throat, uh, these women walk into the diner, a whole bunch of them, right, and he looks, and he looks at how they're dressed, and he can tell immediately, oh, okay, these, these women are prostitutes, Right. Uh, and so they sit down actually behind him, and he starts uh, over eavesdropping. Right? He has nothing better. So he's eavesdropping. He's listening to these women. And uh, one of the women, her name was Agnes. Right? Uh, this woman just kind of shared with the rest of the, the woman in the group that it was her birthday tomorrow. Uh, and immediately, one of the other women just snaps at her and says, what do you want us to do about that? Well, you want, you want a party? You want, you want gifts or something? Uh, he's just being really nasty to, to Agnes. Uh, and Agnes kind of shoots back, no, I just, I just wanted you guys to know, nobody's ever given me a gift on my birthday. I've never had a birthday party. So why would I expect anything from you guys? I just want, I just want you guys to know. Uh, and, you know, the conversation uh, went back and forth. And eventually, uh, these women leave. And then uh, Tony Campolo gets up from his seat, and he goes to the owner, uh, Harry, and he, and he says, hey, Harry, you know, these women that come here every night, do they... Do they come, I mean, tonight, that came tonight, do they come here every night? Uh, and Harry's like, why? Why do you want to know? And Tony's like, no, it's not what you think. Okay. Uh, I want to th- hold a birthday party for Agnes. Uh, and Harry, just his face, facial expression just kind of softens. I said, you know, that's a, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I'll make the cake. Okay, you take care of the, direct, uh, the decorations. Okay, and Tony's like, yeah, yeah, well, I'll do that. And then, you know, Harry calls back to his wife who's cooking in the kitchen. And he's like, hey, honey, you know, this, this dude, this, what's your name, Tony? Okay, Tony wants to hold a birthday party for Agnes. And the wife yells back like, oh, that's a great idea. You know, I'll take care of all the invitations. I'll invite all, the, all, the, you know, all of her friends and things like that tomorrow the next day. And so they kind of coordinated and planned, and they planned that uh, they would come back 2.30 the next morning uh, and do the decorations and all that stuff. So... 2.30 next morning comes, um, you know, they had all this crepe paper all around, and they, they made a sign that says, happy birthday, Agnes. Uh, and at 3 a.m., on the dot, these women came through those doors, and then uh, there was, you know, obviously all the other prostitutes and uh, the owner and Tony, who's a preacher, uh, and they, they shouted, when they saw Agnes, they shouted, surprise, happy birthday, and Agnes was totally floored, totally shocked. Uh, and, you know, she starts getting misty-eyed. You know, they start singing, like, uh, happy birthday. And then, then, you know, you could tell she's kind of, like, trembling and things like that. Eventually, they give her the cake that has candles, and they ask her to blow out the candles, and she does. Uh, and they're about to cut the cake. Uh, but Agnes says, hey, hey, actually, can I, can we not cut the cake yet? Uh, and Tony's like, yeah, sure. 
what do you want to do with it? And uh, she goes, I want to show my parents. My parents just live down the block. Can I go show them this cake? Because uh, nobody's ever thrown me a birthday party. Uh, and so Tony's like, yeah, sure. And so she went and showed the cake. Uh, and then uh, she came back. And then Tony says to the group, hey, you know, can we say a prayer for Agnes? Let's, let's really bless her. You know, let's ask God to kind of, you know, work in her life. And, and so they pray. And then after they're done praying, you know, Harry approaches Tony and says, I didn't know you were a preacher. Um, you know, what kind of church do you go to? And then Tony says, I mean, it's kind of cheesy, but he says, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning, right? I'm like, okay, that's nice. Uh, and Harry responds, no, you don't, because I don't know of any kind of church that does that, because if a church like that existed, I would, I would go, right? Now, I share that story with you because um, it captures, I think, the heart of what it means to live missionally. Tony Campolo totally could have been like, you know, prostitutes, whatever. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm just going to go back to my hotel, get some sleep, get ready for the talk the next day and things like that. But he says, you know what? This is what Jesus would have done. He would have sacrificed his time so that he could live and bring life and joy uh, into other people's lives. And some of you are in here, you know, a bunch of you are, are Asians. You're like, I'm very shy. I don't talk to people, right? You don't need to do something like this, right? All you need to do is be more generous maybe, right? Invite people over to your place. Um, cook for them, Right? Uh, check in on them, give them a call, give them a text message. Hey, you know, I saw you today. You, know, you didn't look like you're too happy. You know, there's something going on. Uh, sometimes in church, you'll notice there are people who are kind of on the fringes, sitting on um, what I call the margins of the church. You know, spend time with them. You know, don't make church just a social gathering for yourself, but a place where you can actually step out of yourself to, to love other people. Go to outreaches, bring friends to church. There's so many different things that you guys can do. You know, Jesus. Um, this principle that we see in today's text, Jesus actually teaches this principle all over the Gospels. Right? Let me just read just a handful of passages for you. Right? He says this in Mark 8. Whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny himself, deny themselves, and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me in the Gospel will save it. You see that principle? As you fast from yourself on behalf of other people, then that's when actually you will begin to find yourself and your life. He says in Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. First, seek those things, and then all these things will be given to you as well. You see the principle there? And then in Matthew 20, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You guys see that? A Christian is called to fast from themselves in order to make space for God and for others. Okay? And in that process, they will discover more of God and they will discover more of themselves. And my question to you is, if you're a believer, are you doing this? Right. This, is, this is literally on the, all over the Bible, if you read. It's there. Now, I want you guys to notice something. This passage that we read in Isaiah, uh, what do you notice? It's actually a des- description of Jesus. It's a description of Jesus' life. Because look at Jesus' life. What did Jesus do? Jesus fasted from himself, right? 
in order to make space for us that we might have life. Okay, this is a description, this is a picture of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And what's fascinating is, you know, we're going to go into the, uh, the Lord's Supper right now. What we eat today, his body and the blood, is a result of Jesus' fasting. Isn't that interesting? Right? Jesus fasts from his life. He, he has a broken body and he sheds his blood. And what he fasts we take and we eat, and that gives us life, okay? And what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to think about that as we go into the, uh, the communion. If we can have the praise team, uh, please come up. Um, we celebrate communion about once a month, uh, but it's, it's a pivotal part of, of the Christian life. It's a sacrament that Jesus Christ uh, instituted, um, you know, while he was alive. Uh, and he says to do it to, to not only remind us of what he's done, uh, but also because uh, in a powerful way, the Holy Spirit actually uh, uses this to kind of work in our lives. Not that, you know, it becomes this spiritual body inside, no, no, nothing like that. But uh, through this act, we are remembering, and the Holy Spirit is applying that remembrance uh, and that truth deeper uh, into our lives through this tangible uh, sacrament, okay? And so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go into this, uh, and then we'll uh, close with uh, worship afterward. But, but during this time, I really ask you guys to kind of think about that, how Jesus Christ fasted uh, from his life so that we may have something to eat that will actually give us life, okay? And can we pray for, for the communion? Lord, we thank you for uh, your body and your blood. And uh, we, we ask your Holy Spirit to take this and to um, apply it to our lives in a way to remind our hearts and our spirits uh, in a new and fresh way that would uh, grow us, that would uh, deepen our faith uh, in you. So we pray that your Holy Spirit would bless us during this time and these elements. And we pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.